I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Day after day, alone on a hill, the man with the foolish grin is keeping perfectly still. Hi, right, folks, have a good day today. Let me the first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must note that I am not a psychiatrist. If you're starting to be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician, at least based on my experiences. Now, let's turn around the right to the Intro Natural. They're found ytmp3.com and djlunatic.com. I also have a mission statement I'd like to review with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that may think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities aren't to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some pay for the following. The first thing I needed to do was give a paid shout out to ARAR pal Brian Burton. Brian was so generous that he donated $250 for our ARAR Summerfest. Thank you so much, man. Second, I would like to look at Crane Credit Union, who also donated a great sum to the ARAR Summerfest. Crane Credit Union is a credit union with a state charter. The Crane Naval Base workforce was the target audience for the Credits Union 1955 charter. The first name of the credit union reflected the target audience. The corporate headquarters of the credit union were housed at Building 1817 on the Crane Base beginning in 1955. Within the brand new Westgate at Crane Technology Park, a new corporate facility was finished in March 2007. The executive team, accounting, asset recovery, risk management, card services, loan personnel, and the Westgate branch are among the administrative and support staff members who are housed in the corporate buildings. They provide good and services to the Crane Credit Union members at affordable prices. If you need tax preparation assistance, I wholeheartedly recommend this place of business. There is more with insurance because next is Connor Insurance Group, LLC. Connor Insurance Group's president, Jason Connor, was gracious enough to donate $20 to ARAR. All the way located in Mufflesboro, Tennessee, Connor Insurance Group is a veteran-owned, full-service agency that helps with all types of insurance, such as life and home insurance. Let them advise you on your coverages and everything insurance-related so that you may make the best financial choice possible. Finally, it is time to get tough for Tough John Monroe County's Indiana's Tough John. These Porter Johns are the best because they are simple to use and the staff doesn't mind cleaning them up. They are owned by Bill and they also have donated their Porter Johns to the ARAR Summerfest. We are so thankful for them. And there are some people I'd like to thank. As always, I have to thank my previous guest, Buff Bagwell. For the listeners, C237, Buff up for Buff Bagwell for more information. What an inspiring man who is helping out the mental health field. Thank you so much, Buff, for coming on and for the work you are currently doing. I have received three pieces of Cutthroat Kitchen fan mail. The three are from Chef Candice Wilson, Chef Jamie Gwen, and Chef Sandra Cordero. What great people. Thank you all for responding. The number three must be a prevalent number today because I have three buddies who have graduated. They are my cousin Joe Purcell, Nicole Kane, and Haley Gillespie. On behalf of ARAR, we are so excited to see what the future holds for all of these amazing graduates. Since I'm an ambassador for the Doug Flutie Jr. Autism Foundation, there is a competition that needs to be heard about. The Dougie Awards nomination post with the most likes on Facebook by May 23rd will receive two tickets to the Dougie's Open Act recipient at our Stars on the Spectrum 20 25th anniversary concert at Fenway Park, as well as a memorable overnight stay on August 24th in Boston. Post a nominated photo or video to nominate a star in the autistic community for a Dougie Award today. Don't forget to tag us at the Flutie Foundation and, and use the hashtag Dougie Awards in your post. We need to back him and speak about the ARAR Summerfest again. We are not only looking for people to come, but now we need volunteers. If you are interested in helping out on August 5th in any way, please email us at info at autismrocksandrolls.com. Trust me, it will be a day of festivities and it will be worth coming. Coming to. That is not the only piece of news I have about the ARAR Summerfest. The other piece of news that I have is that we have Kona Ice officially setting up that day. Make sure to visit in order to get some shaved ice. An extra thanks goes to Perry and Renee Fowler for meeting us and giving the go-ahead for this event. At the Department of Kinesiology Adapted Physical Activity and Research Laboratory, we have the utmost honor of speaking with Dr. Georgia Frey and Sarabi Day. They are accomplishing amazing things. Physical activity and technology use in adults with autism spectrum disorder diagnosis are their area of interest. They are gathering information about how to use technology to increase physical activity for people with autism spectrum disorder by utilizing video games and switches. Participants between the ages of 7 and 22 are wanted. Look them up and participate in the amazing work they are doing. It is also possible that we will be doing additional collaborative work with them. There is even more connections that we have to announce. 
The first one is Karina Robertson, who is when I was five years old, was my mother's, and for the listeners, C105, meet my mother for more information, student's teacher. She is a co-owner of Infinite Transitions, a business that provides a range of programs to help people with disabilities and autism spectrum disorder enjoy fulfilling life. Always transitioning, I admire her strategy and the work they are performing to assist others in living incredible, fantastic lifestyles. Next on the list is Kyle Jetzel. Thriving Chaos is run by Kyle, who is also a parent coach. He is wanting to connect with as many autistic families as they can, and the goal is to thrive in chaos. As they say, thrive, we are the Jetzels, and it's likely that you never even heard of a sizable group of parents whose children have autism. We lack academic credentials, and we don't base our work on the conjecture and theory. We do, however, have something that medical professionals, therapists, psychiatrists do not. The Thriving Chaos Program offers families of autistic children a completely new, superior way of life. Your family has the right of life you've always wanted. Everyone might hear about these connections down the road. And as of several Mondays ago, I am now an ambassador for Make a Film Foundation. For the listeners, see 219 on the silver screen with Tamika Lamison for more information. But because I am so passionate about this, I got to be involved. I am on cloud nine with this piece of news. Monday must be special like three because several Mondays ago we had our monthly board meeting in this meeting we talked about ARAR's future vision several Wednesdays ago I did another mock speech this one was called feel the beat and me please listen to it as you might see some familiarity with my podcast episodes I have done some networking too I revisited two events and those events were Jenny Bellinger's be a guest get a guest but I felt bad because I had to leave early the first time I did this one the one I'm referring to is Explore ProTech's Team Global Online Speed Networking. So I made the choice to go back and stay the whole time. You probably think that's it. It is not, though, because I went to a brand new one that I heard of but never visited. And that event was HBP, Happy Business Project Networking. I got to see some familiar faces, but I also got to meet a shiny bunch of new faces. I had a blast. And since the last episode, I've been on lots of podcasts. I was on the On the Spectrum podcast with Nicholas Anderson, along with his co-host Steve, the Understanding Autism podcast with Brett Thayer and his co-host Nicholas Kubulis, the Living Inspired podcast with Cameron Munoz and her co-host Chanel Johnson, the A Fighter Story podcast with Rob Childs, Against All Odds podcast with Wilson Jatonga, the Sapient podcast with Ganesh Dada, the Leading Visionaries podcast with our friend Angie B. Hartwell, the Stories for Kids podcast with Angela Chibente, the Best Things About Pro Wrestling This Month podcast with Omar M.A., the Creating Kinder podcast with Malika Bajaj, and the Life of a Visionary podcast with Gloria Haas. What a great group of podcasts, everyone. For this episode, we are focusing on my new guest, Ryan Steiner, who was recommended to me during a previous networking event. Ryan has autism. He is also a dad, a husband, a disability advocate, and an ultra marathon runner. All things his mother was told would never happen. Ryan shares his love of running with his daughter Kala who also has autism and cerebral palsy. Ryan pushes Kala in a special racing wheelchair and races right from 5k to 50k. Keep in mind that is 31 miles. Ryan and Kala are on a mission to create and celebrate visibility and inclusion. Everyone deserves to feel like they belong according to Ryan and I couldn't agree with him anymore. So let's welcome Ryan to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Ryan how are we doing my friend? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. So my first question to you is what does having autism mean to you? It means that I see things differently and sometimes that's better in my opinion and sometimes that's not better. I get things in my own time, but I always get there. It helps me stick to things. Hyper-focus gets a bad name, but I love it. I love to be able to get good at something. Me too, but hyper-focus can be good. It's what society calls obsessions. For the listeners, C205, practicing for future skills. Who says it has to be obsession if it's leading us down the road of success? What were your initial thoughts when you learned that you had autism? When I was a kid, I thought I was broken. I wouldn't be able to have all these things. It hurt my heart. I felt it physically, even though it was an emotion. But when I got older and I realized that that wasn't the truth and I start to really love myself, not just with my autism, but because of my autism. When did you start loving yourself? When did you start seeing that? I, you know what? I'm not, I, the, I'm not the problem. It's them. I think I was probably 35 before I really believed it. Wow. That is really incredible that you got there late, but it's better late yeah. than never. Now, based on you and having autism, how do you think a person's brain with autism operates? I think it's different for all of us still, but I think that we have a lot of similarities to each other. But it's definitely different than neurotypical people because they confuse me and I can be friends with autistic people better and faster. I think that we operate slower and faster at the exact same time. <laughs> what do you mean by slower? faster. Could you elaborate on that? Like if I'm trying to talk about it, I move low to 
what other people see, but that's because my brain is moving really, really fast. And I have a million ideas and imagination at the same time as I'm trying to communicate one idea. So you're Dory with short-term memory loss almost. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's the way I'm kind of thinking about it. But why is neurotypical people harder for you to be friends with? Because I ask a lot of questions and sometimes people think I argue because I like to know things and I like to have information. I'm not arguing. I just like to collect the information. And so if I know it, I want to share the information because I think other people want to know that information. But other autistic people that I've been friends with, they like to share information too. So our brains exchange stories better together. Have you seen the shirt where it says, I'm not arguing. I'm just explaining why I'm right. <laughs> I haven't, but that's a great shirt. Here Here's the reason why I'm thinking you could you could say on that shirt I'm not arguing I'm just trying to get all the information. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the most rewarding and the most difficult part of having autism? I think that it's the same thing for me. The most rewarding is that I feel everything really deeply inside and it's a struggle to express it outside a lot of people when i was younger called it overreacting when it's a bad emotion but i also feel good emotions that much too it's allowed me to understand my daughter in a way that no one else can connect to people in ways once i let myself feel because i don't understand the emotions that my body feels in my brain as quickly as my body feels them. So it's a blessing and it's overwhelming. I love it because it's something that makes me me, but it's also very hard to always have trouble controlling how I'm feeling. And it's always big. Your body and brain are two different people. That's the same way with me. There's sometimes where I do stuff because my body doesn't want to, but my brain overrides it. It's like, gosh, dang it. Why did I do that? Yeah. So then I feel bad doing it, but can't control your brain some days. What advice would you give to others who have autism? Trust yourself. The amount of times I've been told that I was overreacting, my feelings are real. I'm not overreacting. It's just more. Once I learned that my feelings were real, I learned to be able to control my brain and my body together better. And love what you love. If you love collecting something, collect it. Because I think that the best thing for me is my special interest, whatever it might be at the time. Because it does change, especially because I feed it. And I am curious more about, how did you hear about me again? I think someone referred us together. I can't remember his yeah. name. Eric something. Dieter. Eric Dieter. I was on his podcast because we're both ultra runners. He told you about me. So a big shout out to Eric for this amazing connection. But what a great guy. I could tell. I mean, even though we didn't get to sadly collaborate, I could tell he had a heart for people, no matter who they were. He's a really cool dude. I see that in him. And he runs in sandals. <laughs> he runs in sandals. How's that comfortable? Yeah, I don't know, but he likes it. Hey, maybe it's that sensory feeling, right? I do like to be barefoot. I like to be barefoot too. I would rather prefer walking in barefoot, except when I hit the gravel. Then it's like, all right, let's put on some flip flops. Yeah. Now, I want to talk to you more about your diagnoses. So do you remember when you were diagnosed? I was diagnosed with pervasive developmental disorder when I was a little kid. And I was 17 when I got diagnosed with Asperger. Do you know what made it change? Was it one day where you just went to the doctor and said, hey, you have Asperger's, by the way? Or how did they convince um, you to, you know, change the diagnosis from PDD to autism? When I was diagnosed, it didn't exist. It was only autism. And you had to have delayed speech to get diagnosed with with autism and I actually had precocious speech and hyperlexic. So I was talking in full sentences when I was nine months old and I was reading books that were way beyond what I should be reading, like age three, and no one had taught me how to read. And so they don't diagnose you with autism then because I could talk and now they do. But in 1993 is when autism at Asperger got put into the DSM. So you told me that you read books, higher level books, when no one taught you? Yes. That is <laughs> it's just very cool. wonderful. That blows my mind. And now that I'm thinking about it, have you read Lord of the Flies? I have not. Good book. Read it. Probably one of my favorite books. I'm not much of a reader, yeah. but I had to read it for an English class. And that was the only book I actually like to read for class. That's when that fun. happens, that is an incredible book, in my opinion. If a book grabs you, it's good. I'm going to check it out because you say it grabbed you. And I love to read.
Yeah, it's very adventure-y, definitely teaches some life lessons, and there's a huge moral that really makes you think. So you are, you said, a runner. So what got you into running, my man? When I was in my late 20s, I was very, very heavy. I was almost 720 pounds. I was 714 pounds at the highest I was weighed. I started learning about autism from an academic perspective instead of as a person with autism. I learned that movement is really helpful in connecting the body and the brain. I started trying to move and exercise and connect. And the more I moved, the better I was able to make connections in the world and get a better life. The more you ran, the more you felt you could talk to people. And you were talking about being 700 pounds. When did you start seeing that being over 700 pounds was not working for you? I didn't know that I could change it at the point that I was that big because I couldn't move. So I just started moving and things started changing in all of my life. And I'm glad it did for it because, hey, you are hefty. You got the muscles growing for you, man. How is running therapeutic for you? One way is that the better your cardio fitness, the lower your activation for fight or flight can be. So you can control that fear response longer. I have meltdowns from noises in my environment. And when I have a meltdown, my body flips over to fight or flight and I either run or I hit myself or I fall on the floor and I, I can't quit crying. I have less meltdowns if I run. It has a long carryover. And the further I run, the longer it lasts. So I, my goal is to run a hundred mile race just because I love it so much. I'm so happy you do, man. And you're not the only one who had meltdowns as a child and not as much anymore, but I still do here and there. And I actually did a full episode of that for the listeners. See, 107 meltdowns autistic style but i am curious how do you manage your meltdowns i run away from a situation when i'm having a meltdown i put my fingers in my ears i recently got a service dog in training um hey, to help me what's the puppy's name there <laughs> his name is kettle i also use a weighted blanket and like we talked about i do the running and the running is part of the sensory diet i do ahead of time to make things better for me i can also help a meltdown by doing push-ups or swinging what is called a Bulgarian bag, which is just a sandbag. That's a lot of techniques that's going to help a lot of parents because I've never thought about having a sandbag or a weighted blanket on me. I kind of wish I had that. Did you ever use maybe a hug machine too? Did your ever consider that because Temple Grandin for listeners C124 pictures from the ranch by Temple Grandin for more information but she used the, the cattle machine so does deep pressure also work for you it does I'm not as lucky as Temple to have a hug machine wouldn't that be great if we could have that my daughter also has autism and she has a hug vest that we put on her real tight and I don't really like to be touched by people but if that's a last resort my wife will squeeze me around the waist with that same way because the pressure on the spine does help deactivate the fight or flight response and I do find it very helpful to be hugged if I have to be because <laughs> I don't yeah. like to be touched man we're going to agree or disagree on that because bro I am the opposite of you I'm like please squeeze me <laughs> <laughs> my daughter loves to be squeezed. She loves to be cuddled and touched. She I would agree with you. hear the phrase like father, like son. I think in this case, it's like father, unlike daughter. <laughs> Watch tell some ultra marathon running future goals. I push my daughter in an ultra marathon. That's a 50K in October every year, but they have a hundred mile race too. And so my biggest future goal is to run that hundred miles with her and do it together. And then I also would like to run across the U.S. with Kala to raise awareness for autism and meet up with all the people that I've got to meet because I've been doing the visibility of autism. And I really am very excited to get to meet all the friends I've made. Would you ever imagine that you had friends? No, <laughs> I felt lonely a whole lot. I was really surprised when I met my wife. Yeah, speaking of your wife, let's get into that. So can you describe your wife from your perspective? Why don't you tell us about her? Um, she's an introvert, first and foremost. That's why she said, I signed up to marry an autistic guy, but you're so extroverted. <laughs> she's very introverted. She's amazing musician and music therapist. She has one of the kindest hearts I've ever met in anyone. All she wants to do is see the IDD community thrive, and she gives to that 
through music. Music is awesome. Obviously, the autism rocks and rolls. She's amazing. I didn't tell her that I had autism when we started dating because it was before I started to love myself for having it. So when I told her, she smiled at me and she said, I know. And I said, I'm going to marry you. <laughs> now that's a way right there showing true love. The reason why I had you on this show, I'll just be honest, is you're a perfect example of anyone on the autism spectrum can have someone with them and find love and have a family. With Amanda, you said she's a music therapist. Did she ever use music therapy towards you? No. She's very much like me in liking rules and she's very ethical in her work. She takes a lot of pride in music therapy and it would not be ethical to be a music therapist for someone that you wanted to marry. <laughs> I wish she would and I've learned a lot from her about myself by when she writes songs or stuff for clients and especially when she writes songs about asking questions because I tend to talk about myself and forget to learn about other people so I'm trying to work on that but I learned that I needed to through a song she wrote for someone else. What's the song? It was just like a little ditty like we gotta ask a question to get to know your friends and <laughs> And that's a great one that could be used for a yeah. lot of others including me because I come across as arrogant sometimes too I bet you do too with asking the questions like hey gotta listen now <laughs> I think that that's something that we aren't arrogant. And that's one of the reasons that you can find a friendship with other autistic people to be easier because we don't see it as arrogant either. Yeah. Didn't you say Temple Grant said something like that? And you are like a firm believer in that? She said, find a group that aligns with what your special interest is, then you will find friendship. I agree with you. I've got a lot of friends yeah. from Taekwondo and I have a friend who loves professional wrestling i'm a big pro wrestling fan for the listeners see 154 to 157 the dirty specials but that has been a lifesaver for me and i have buddies who love wrestling now how has your yeah, life helped with autism and not autism wise i'm a firm believer in shared supports and so from the outside people see that i seem to be really functioning well and that's because together my wife and i support each other because i have a lot of skills in areas that maybe Maybe she doesn't like I read really well, but I have dyscalculia, so I can't handle numbers and I struggle with money. I take care of the house. I a homemaker. I take very good care of our daughter and I do things like that. And then my wife, she takes care of paying the bills and organizing the checkbook and the money things. And I forget to do self-care things, take my medication. Sometimes I forget to go to the shower. And so she just reminds me of things that I might forget. And we've found a really good balance of sharing support in our life. And I went to college and learned psychology. So when she's curious about how someone might react to something, I talk it out. I'm her person to think about the world because I may not socialize very well, but I understand socializing from an intellectual perspective. You're bringing the information with you and you're using it to teach as well. So you're almost becoming the next college professor. <laughs> she's a college professor. I'm just her sidekick. I'll stick with that. You're the Robin. She's the Batwoman. <laughs> now I'm talking about that beautiful daughter of yours, which yes, I'm not kidding. If you have not seen her, she is beautiful and just, I can tell a very sweet girl. I mean, you two are close, you. aren't you? I mean, that's like your best We're, friend, isn't it? She's absolutely my best friend. I just said that to her therapist this morning. I pulled her in my lap. I said, she's my best friend. <laughs> Were you at all hesitant about having a child or have you always wanted to be a dad? I always love kids. They're simple and not judgmental as long as they're not made to be that way by judgmental people. And so kids have always been so kind to me when adults thought I was weird, even when I was younger. And well, when I was a little kid, they were mean to me because, you know, we're all the same age. I wanted to have children and to teach kids about my differences so that I could put a little bit of positive in the world. It was my wife who wasn't sure that she wanted kids. So, and I convinced her with my desire to be a dad. I will do kids if I really want to. I'm actually opposite. I'm not saying I don't want kids, but I'm not saying I do want kids. I'm actually laid back. If you want children, yeah. that's great, but I'm not doing more than three. Three mm -hmm. dads convinced me pretty darn big. I will do one or two because I'll be funny and kids are entertaining as crap sometimes. But a third, no, nah, that is way too much <laughs> to handle. That is exhausting. They are exhausting. At the end of the day, you love them still, no matter what they've done to you. College changed my life. 
because no one ever saw me the way that I wanted them to until they saw how much I loved Kala and they were like oh look how kind he is and they just saw like you said a stocky dude and I move weird and I talk weird and I do all this stuff but then when you added Kala to it and I'm cradling this little girl in her wheelchair and people saw me for who I really was. When did you start seeing traits in autism with Kala? When she was first born, she was born in early. She was born at 23 weeks. She had a lot of brain damage. And when she was maybe six months old, she wasn't looking at people and they thought that she might be blind. But I said, I think she probably has autism because she looked away from the people in the same way that I look away from people. I started advocating that I thought it was autism very early on. They tested her for it when she was 12 months old, but they wouldn't diagnose her because they thought she might be in imitating me but when she was three they did diagnose her with her looking away how's the pictures going with that because <laughs> the reason why i say that is you, there are pictures of me as a baby and there are still pictures of me i had never looked at the camera it's hard to get a good picture of us but we practice a lot and you talked about seeing her on social media and we run our instagram together if i make a video Colin and i made it together and we choose the pictures together and we talk about what we're going to put on there and that has helped her look at the camera so she'll look at the camera and take a picture of herself so she's taken some pretty beautiful pictures i'm gonna have to get some training from her because oh boy looking at the camera is hard <laughs> because there are people everywhere like right now i could do it because it's just me and you but add that dog barking and it's like what where am i looking at shut up that's why i have noise canceling headphones in so that i can talk to you and only hear your voice and not be distracted you know what that's a good idea i might try that how do you and amanda help call with her cerebral we try to first and foremost make her feel comfortable in her body make sure she's not feeling any pain and let her lead us to what she wants because walking isn't everything so we try to make sure that her wheelchair is something that she loves and we clean it and we talk about how she needs the wheelchair right now she's working with a physical therapist so we just try to help her in any way she needs and right now that's just support and helping her do things that she can't quite do by herself she did just have a tendon surgery on her legs and so she's had a cast on both legs for a little over a month she's got 10 days left and then her feet will be able to be flat on the ground and she might be able to walk wow i cannot wait if you get a chance to see her walking record that because i love to watch that and <laughs> I like what you said earlier though walking isn't everything that means a lot to my heart because yep. my best friend in the whole wide world who i've known since diapers is wheelchair bound i've actually an episode with him for the listeners c142 identical yet opposites by bj yoho but my best friend i mean he is wheelchair bound had a million surgeries and you know there are times i'm alive there are times when i'm frustrated with him because of the spina bifida but i went straight for anything else i mean that guy is incredible but he doesn't walk either he wheels in a wheelchair and that's still movement to me is moving in a wheelchair the wheels are still feet kind of right her wheelchair is definitely a part of her and we respect it as such now as a father what is the most blessing and the most challenging part of having a daughter with autism and cerebral palsy i think with autism right now one of the most challenging parts and healing also for me is that she's going through that very aggressive stage right now because she's struggling to communicate and the only way she can find words in that frustration and she's non-speaking she's feeling very aggressive towards people that she's close to and it's hard for me in multiple ways to be a parent who's being hit it's hard for me to see her feeling like she's that unheard and i never had the perspective of what it felt like to be my parents when i was struggling in the same way until now and so i feel sorry to them now and also i i want to be able to help her so it's very hard and with the cerebral palsy the only 
thing that it's ever hard for me to have a kid with cerebral palsy is that she's getting bigger and I carry her everywhere. So I just need to keep getting stronger. So that's a good thing and a bad thing. I love how you turn that into a negative into a positive because you're like, well, she's getting bigger. It's going to be harder to pick her up. But do you know what? I just have to get stronger. Love that, man. But you were talking about hitting your parents. What did your parents do to show them, hey, we don't hit people if you're being misunderstood? I actually was sent to live in an institution when I was a kid because I was so aggressive. So I grew up um, from the time I was 10 until I was 18 in an institution for people with high behavior. Did the institution, you think, help you or did you think it harmed you? It definitely harmed me. It was before there were HRCs. And I'm not saying that institutional living is better by any means. I'm on the governor's council. I hold a seat here in Indiana. I'm on the governor's council for people with developmental disabilities. And I hold a seat for someone who is institutionalized because it's important to me that people know the harm that can come from it. What happened to me was before there was HRCs or human rights committees that have to approve any restrictive environment, but they didn't have to approve that for me. So you are also a very anxious person. For the listeners, I did an episode on that, C109 Autistic Butterflies, but how do you manage your anxiety? Running, (laughs) a lot of pacing. I carry um, around a stem toy, usually a sonic screwdriver that I also patchouli oil on because I really enjoy the smell. And sometimes my anxiety is increased by smells in my environment and I wear ear protection because a lot of my anxiety is environmental, not situational. So it's just the noise and the smell and all of that and not actually what I'm doing. Let me ask you this then, because I'm interested in learning more about this. Do you know, because my anxiety is situational completely. Do you know like what in the brain triggers the environmental? Because let's say, for example, there's a loud bird chirping and, you know, you can't control it clearly because the bird can't shoo away. You can't go shoo, shoo bird because birds sometimes aren't the smartest. What goes in your brain that makes you think, oh, uh, 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 there's a bird right there. So that, that would be, my brain is just processing absolutely everything in my environment, whereas other people's brain habituates to that bird and they can turn it off. But for me, if the bird is annoying, which whistling is a hard trigger for me, I instantly feel angry. And so I did used to think that these were situational things. Like I didn't like people because the sound of their voice, but it was actually my sensory experience that was making me such a grumpy and angry person. But I had to explore that. So my brain, it says bird over and over again, there's actually a bird tweeting and it's loud enough to hear in my earbuds because I'm on my porch. It was the least distractive environment. So I think that I used to think that it was other people or situations, but situations too. Like I have a intense amount of anxiety before I go into Dollar General because I don't want to do it wrong. And I know that going to the cash register is not really a wrong or right, but I've done it wrong so many times, even when people say there's no wrong answer. And then I answer and lo and behold, we've discovered a wrong answer. (laughs) And so I'm terrified of being wrong, but then that compounds by the in the environment. Well, you say, hey, whistling, I recommend not listen to Tweety Bird or Whistle by Flo Rida because, oh boy, oh. that's going to be a set off for you. <laughs> I, 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 know, no, I know the one now, you're talking about. I get what about. you're saying with the cash register. That gives me anxiety still. It's yeah. like, it, there's no wrong answer. You're just fumbling through money. Yeah. But if I screw it up, I'm going to be looked at like I'm a fool. And I'm not yeah. a fool. I know what I'm doing. It's just wrong and I don't get math. And I think yeah. I have a low case of dyscalculia like you do. People treat you different if you don't get it right because a cash register is easy. That's the way they say it. They're like, it's easy, but it's not easy how they say it to me. I would be like, it's easy. <laughs> yeah, right. Try it with autism. I did hear that you also have some sensory issues as well. And for listeners, I've done an episode on that C-123 sensitive feelings. So can you tell us about some of your sensory issues and how you manage them? Again, back to running. Running is the first thing I manage all of that. And a more emotional sensory sensitivity is that I allow myself to leave environments where I didn't used to. Like I cry super easy. Like everything moves my heart and soul. Like, oh, that's beautiful. And I start crying, but it's embarrassing, I guess. I allow myself to leave. Whereas I used to allow myself to get angry to cover it. So you're the man who wears his heart on his sleeve. I absolutely am. I can tell. I mean, that's what I like about you. You said yourself in an interview, you're not as mean as you look. I laughed when you said that because you said you're like, oh, I'm big and strong, but you're actually this big giant. 
teddy bear. I could see though why people would be intimidated by you, and that's what frustrates me because okay, so part of my mission is destigmatizing autism. But another part is success for all, which means mental and physical look. There are people out there, there are types of people out there who get a bad name, like bikers, people with tattoos. Do you know who they are? Have you talked to them? Try to get that label out of your head and talk to them. Someone who's big and hurly like you, yes, he's intimidating, but have you ever hung out with him at a pizza joint? I gave money to some bikers collecting money for Special Olympics on Main Street in my town just yesterday. But that proves my point right there. Bikers mean? Yeah. Really? Try again. Yeah. Bikers are nice. Now, you said something in the bio that I also like. The thing was celebrate visibility and inclusion. So how can others celebrate visibility and inclusion? By inviting people and being willing to accommodate in public spaces so that people with disabilities can be visible in those places and celebrate that they're there by including them in the conversation, not as an inspiration, but as a part of the conversation, not the um, title of the conversation. What do you mean by title of the conversation? I'm afraid I don't understand that. If the conversation is centered around autism and that's the time I'm invited, I'll go because I want to engage about autism and teach about autism, but that's a teaching moment. I want to be included in the conversation of running. I want the advice that I give about shoes and running to be seen as valuable as a runner and not as inspirational that I had the advice as an autistic person. I said it in my speeches a lot. My name is not autism. It's the same thing. Your name is not autism. It's Ryan Steiner. <laughs> who happens to have autism, but is a really great runner, who also is a wonderful dad, who loves his family unconditionally. It's not autism, end of story. I want to be inspirational in what I do, but I don't want to be inspirational because I exist as autistic. I speak about autism yeah. because I want to. I want to help out, do something good for the community. It's not the goal to feel people like, Sam has autism? Oh man, I'm so sorry. It's Sam has autism and he's helping me remove the stigma? Wow. That's incredible that he's hopped over all these challenges. Like anyone else has hopped over challenges. Very proud of him. So I've heard also you bring your daughter everywhere with these special racing wheelchairs. Can you tell us about these special racing wheelchairs? Her current racing wheelchair is called an Axiom Racer. We got it through a charity. We did a fundraiser through a charity called Ainsley's Angels, which is a running group that is across the U.S. And they promote inclusion and run in races. They have a whole lot more than just running but the part that I'm involved in currently is just I like to run races with them because I want my daughter to see other chairs and so it's an adapted wheelchair meant for racing for running so it, it goes pretty fast and it's people are always like wow that's awesome that you push that but truth is is it glides she pulls me to that finish line because she pulls me to every finish line she always beats me does she, she crosses you know, with likability is she more likable than you no I'm kidding you both are likable I like you both absolutely she is definitely more likable than me oh that's hard no <laughs> so far it's you <laughs> maybe though after i meet your daughter one day it might change her mind but nah i like you both you're both pretty cool now folks we'll be right back we're in here an ad from the doug flutie jr autism foundation so let's get to it at the doug flutie autism foundation in massachusetts people are receiving hope the organization was established in 1998 by Doug Flutie, former quarterback for Boston College and the NFL, and his wife, Lori, in the memory of their son, Dougie, who was diagnosed with autism at the age of three. The goal of the Flutie Foundation is to improve the quality of life for those with autism and their families. The biggest action they like to do is give grants and host their annual Stars on the Spectrum golf event. Our goal is to offer chances for physical and social activity outside of work or school, a path for education or employment during the day, and the resources needed to always feel safe, supported, and informed, the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation says. Make sure to visit them on their website, www.flutiefoundation.org. That's www.flutiefoundation.org. Or follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or even YouTube to see all the stars they have to offer. And you never know, you might be able to meet one of their stars if you are so kind and they allow you to do so. Finally, if this was a testimony, this would be my testimony for the Doug Jr. Autism Foundation. All right, folks, we're back. You might meet Doug Flutie. You never know. Ryan, I also heard you're an ambassador for the Naked Sports Innovators, Ultra Running Magazine, and Ornery Mule Racing. So how'd you get to be an ambassador for those three companies? I developed relationships in the community, which 
I was able to do because of social media, which I try to tell people all of the time. A lot of it I attribute to COVID lockdowns is that people were more open to virtual interactions. And so sharing my story and talking about running and my weight loss, I was able to get, I guess, on the radar for these companies. And I developed a whole lot of relationships at Honor Mule Racing with the owner and founder, Michelle Hartwood. She's been amazing. When I first started going to races and going without my wife, I reached out to her and I traveled to Crystal Lake and I told her a little bit more about myself and what I needed. I told her that I kind of needed someone to understand what a meltdown was to protect me and that it would make me feel safe. Just know that she knew those things. And she's been the person that I know I'm safe at her races. So I do mostly her races unless I can have my wife there as support because I don't like to be in the community alone because of the amount of anxiety that I have. Very easy to be an ambassador for them because I would want anyone to go to an honorary mule race. Even if you're not a runner, then volunteer at an aid station because there is nothing more beautiful than the inclusion that happens there. That's how I got to be them. And because of the relationships that I've built through that, when I applied to be an ultra running magazine ambassador, they said that I embodied a lot of what trail running really is, and that is inclusion of diversity. And so it was also a really good match to talk about ultra running and the inclusion of the sport. And then that led Naked Running reaching out to me. I got to learn about them. It's the newest ambassador that I'm doing. Maybe one of my favorite companies that I've ever encountered. They do a lot of good and they don't blast it on their website because they do the good to put the good in the world, not for the kudos that come with it. They wanted to support someone with autism to add that perspective to their business. And I really appreciate that they wanted to seek out that voice. Why don't we add me to the mix? Because I was wondering, could you talk to those places for me to see if they'd be doing interesting collaborating with me? Because I love working with businesses and seeing if we could do something or I offer sponsorship on the show. I mean, there's some options there. So they could put in a word for me. Absolutely. I will. Thanks, buddy. So I also heard that someone is an artist, which is you. So what type of art do you like to do? I like all mediums, painting, sculpture, drawing. I'm not very good at drawing anything realistic, but I like like to feel whatever I'm feeling and create it. That's awesome. My grandfather's an artist. For the listeners, C-122, meet Big Joe, but you should look at some of his pictures. They're incredible. I think that's their, yeah. very therapeutic for him. So is it for you? It is definitely therapeutic for me. It allows my brain to process in the way that it prefers to process. And so as I'm creating art, I'm building it from the bottom up instead of the normal top-down processing that the world often requires. And so it kind of just declutters my mind. I'm currently working on a huge sculpture that is representative of the music therapist that I see in my wife. And it's life-size. And I'm creating a person using discarded musical instruments. Again, send me that sculpture when you're done with I love art too. I mean, I'm not good at it, but I like seeing the finish t- finishing touches. I heard, a, I heard a quote once. Can I tell you this quote? You said you're not good at art. And I heard something once recently someone said that you don't have to be good at your hobbies to love them as long as you're happy with it who cares if you're good at it so i need to check my facts here real quickly are you a vegan or a vegetarian vegan I thought that. I just want to make sure. So what made you decide that you want to be a vegan? I became vegetarian first, and I definitely draw a little bit of strength from thinking about animals from an ethical perspective, but I really do it because I want to rid my body of all the things that were inflammatory to it. And as I did, my head cleared a lot of my autism symptoms because I have a lot of the things that come with autism, like gut issues and GERD and hypermobility. And so my joints are always sore. And as I removed everything in an effort to see what was irritating my body so that I could be my fittest, it was all about my athletic pursuits. Everything else got better. And so my wife even became vegan because even my blood work for like cholesterol and all those things got 
unimaginably better. I can't imagine. It was just a lead on, right? I mean, you got vegan. Yeah. You got cholesterol got better. I mean, it was just a path of sunshine. I will not lie. I miss meat sometimes and occasionally I will eat some cheese, but I try to say that I'm a practicing vegan. I'm not perfect. I'm practicing it. Now you're on a lot of diets too. So why don't you tell us some of the diets you are on currently or were previously on? It's always centered now around my running. What's the best diet plan for my running? Now that I'm like mostly vegan all the time and I do whole food plant-based, so I don't eat anything processed. Other than that, it's not really a diet because I can eat as much of all of that as I want, but I do also intermittent fast so that I am resetting my whole system. So that's what I do currently. But I mean, I've done everything from calorie counting to weight loss pills and things like that to follow diets and stuff. But I find that I don't do well with restrictive things. So you I like the, do the vegan. Keto diet? I've always been not much of a meat eater just for like sensory autism kind of stuff. It's hard to eat keto other than just eating egg and cheese, which I have done for very long periods of time. And once I find a food I like and I eat it every day, right now I eat whole food plant-based, but I only eat black beans and jalapenos with a cashew cheese sauce that I make. And it's the only thing I've ate for the last couple of months. And once I ate so much tuna that I got mercury poisoning because all I ate was tuna salad sandwiches. That, so, I can complain with that though. Black bean and jalapenos are a good combination. It is a very good combination. I don't know if you do this currently, but you did or still do spin class. So how does spin class help you? I love spin class. I haven't been for a little while because I got a little bit of tendonitis because I was overdoing it. I loved going to the YMCA. So I was taking all of the classes and I'm getting ready in my training cycle to add spin class back in once a week. But it's been about three weeks since I went because I've been swimming really far every morning instead. But spin class helps me because I'm not hitting my feet on the ground, but it's still that same movement that I'm doing when I'm running. And so I get extra work towards my running. It all goes to running. Everything is about running. I've heard swimming is like a good cool off activity and we're a lot like there, man. Love swimming too. I actually have a neighbor's pool and I get to just walk over there and it's all to myself. So I'm kind of yeah, lucky on that. Nice. So I love it. And you said the why. Have you learned the YMCA dance? I still can't figure that out. It's like, <laughs> um, young man, YMCA. yeah, I don't, I, I, I can't, I can't get it. I cannot do it when everyone is doing it, but I do know that it's like Y M C A. But if everyone else is doing it, I'm like, <laughs> they go too fast. It's like, why? Yeah, uh, what now? Okay, slow yeah, down. Let's do this one thing at a time, okay? And I have terrible rhythm, too, so I can't dance. I do dance. I enjoy dancing, but it doesn't look like dancing. It's Ryan's style, right? Yeah. I also heard that Paula is a Riley kid, which is very near and dear to my heart because my best friend, DJ Yoho, he's a Riley kid, actually, too. So very... Yeah. Near, dear to my heart. What has Riley Hospital done for you and your family? I mean, they saved her life. She was lifelined to Riley Hospital right after a month after she was born. She only weighed uh, one pound, five ounces, and she was in the hospital for a really long time. And they took care of her. They took care of us. And I formed relationships during that period of time that are still impacting our life today. One of the people most near and dear is named Beth, and she works in the NICU nest. And she's also on a lot of the councils and stuff that I'm doing now for disability advocacy in Indiana. And so she's been a very safe person for me. Sometimes people see the way I look and they completely disregard that I have a disability. Yeah, and that's hard to do. When they say looks don't matter, I mean, I believe that wholeheartedly. I mean, I have some buddies who... From the outside, would not look successful. I'm just going to be honest. From the flip side, I mean, they look successful. I believe it, and I think I'm correct when I say it, but is it really true as a society? It sure shouldn't be. I said earlier about tattoos and the way that people look, and I have a lot of tattoos, and people assume that disabled people don't get tattoos, which is completely ridiculous. If you like tattoos, you can get a tattoo. My tattoos make me look tough, but if you ask me about them, you would find out that they're all different reminders of behaviors that I wanted to change for myself and I needed a way 
way to make myself into the better person and I needed a visual reminder. Each tattoo is a part of me that I wanted to fit to get to this man that I am. Yeah, I need to get a tattoo at some point. I want one at least. I don't want like, you know, head to toe tattoos. And I don't know. I have a buddy who's like that, Tommy Stevens. And for the listeners, see 233, rock your appetite with Tommy Stevens. But from head to toe tattooed, and I love it. I think it's cool, but I don't want that many. (laughs) So I also heard that you like Sriracha. So what about Sriracha do you love? Uh, That's hot. So autism is a spectrum. And so when you think about that, that people think that we all don't, like food with flavor but if you're thinking about like a spectrum so i need a lot of oral sensory input so if food isn't spicy i can't eat it i gag and i can't swallow i have a lot of eating issues and sriracha helps me get past them and i recently learned that spicy peppers actually helps treat anxiety so possibly i've been eating it to also treat my anxiety (laughs) i learned something new today from you spicy fact spicy Spicy facts. Okay, well, it is a spicy fact. After it all, is spicy fact. <laughs> spicy peppers treat anxiety. I'll have to maybe eat more of those. But yeah, I actually with you too. I love spicy food. The hotter yeah. for me. And I think it's actually a feeling because when yeah. people eat the hot food, they swear they're like, oh my God. <gasps> I love it. Like a dragon. Oh my goodness. I love it. Must be the odd duck, but. I love the feeling. I love the sweat running down my face. It feels awesome. I wish I could feel that 24-7. Yeah. So I also heard you made this thing called cabbage beer soup. So what is cabbage beer soup? And please tell me the recipe for my father. For the listeners, C113, Father and Son Chat, because he loves to cook. I will send you a copy of the recipe. So I use vegan sausage, but it's just sausage, purple cabbage, beer, tomatoes, and lots of sriracha. <laughs> and it is just so good. If you like cabbage... It's delicious and so easy. I don't love cabbage, but it's okay, you know. I mean, I don't like ego. You know, it's like, oh, cool. Don't mind having it here and there. Yeah, I'll definitely look that. But when you said the sausage, I was like, okay, now we're talking. The sausage probably makes it. (laughs) I also heard you do a lot of daydreaming. And I do too, actually. Do a lot of daydreaming sometimes. I'll just daydream off the bat and think about the pool all of a sudden. But does daydreaming help you with your autism, you think? I think it helps me and it hurts me. I lose a lot of time daydreaming when I should have been doing something else. But I also like to indulge my daydreams because as a dreamer, I've really followed a lot of those dreams and they've got me a lot of really epic places. And it's the work you do too. Your running has led you to some of those dreams. Absolutely, it has. I would agree with that because my podcast has led me to some dreams. I've always dreamt of actually doing like a wrestling commentating where you have the headphones on not for WWE I wish still but again a dream that could come true one day just for a local wrestling show lived it and I have a recent dream right now I just learned in October there's going to be a wrestling pay-per-view in Indy now I always said I want to go to a wrestling pay-per-view I don't care where I sit give me the worst seat there I just want to be there well that would be very cool guess what I told my mother today, because of me making off a nonprofit, I said, hey, if you do not get me tickets for my birthday, I will be using that at dollars and going to that show. End of story, period. But my point here is, if I never would have had this podcast or nonprofit, that dream wouldn't have came true. Maybe someday they'll let you introduce something on there. You never know how big a dream can come true unless you dream it. And like you said, positive goals. I like positivity. (laughs) I might be toxically positive sometimes, but it helps me. So you also, through some research, you got on the Kokomo Tribune e-paper. So how did you get to be on the Kokomo Tribune e-paper? It was in the printed paper too three days in a row over the Thanksgiving holiday. How did I get to do that? Because Kala is gorgeous. This wonderful reporter named Kelly in Kokomo, she saw a post I made and she was like, oh my gosh, he lives so close. I wonder if he would do a story. And we actually became friends and she came and she rode a bike on the trail while I ran and took a lot of photos and got to know me and Kala and really put together a beautiful story and the Tribune liked it. And so it got to run over the Thanksgiving holiday. I think I've established a good relationship with you to tell you this. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. You got the weirdest looking legs. Yeah, I do. I mean, they look like blocks. It's because I was so heavy. It's all extra skin because it can't be removed. It's too far away from your heart to remove the extra skin. So it's something that I always felt pretty self-conscious about. But I just decided that I couldn't change it. So I could waste a lot of time being sad or I could just acknowledge that it's 
the truth and my reality and move forward that way. And it has really led me to embrace it. And when my wife met me, I was wearing shorts and I had crossed the road like four hours before we met and she saw me and she saw my legs and she said, I wish I was as brave as that person. And so my legs gave me my life really. So <laughs> leg life, right? <laughs> I thought it was just because yeah. you worked out so much, to be honest with you, that your legs built up, but Hey, I think they're cool legs. That's your nickname. Cool legs. <laughs> cool legs. So what are you doing to help Kala live independently in the future? Because I know Kala is growing. What's her future like, I guess is what I'm asking. Is she going to live with you when you're 70 or is she going to try to do something else out there? I mean, you know, that is like one of my biggest thoughts and daydreams and concerns in this world now. She's seven, so I have absolutely no idea what her potential is going to be. And one of my favorite things that I learned when I was in college is that the Tatiwatenga, which is autism, and it means in his or her own time. And so I like to hope that maybe Kala is way smarter than anyone is giving her credit for. So maybe she'll be completely independent and we'll have that as a dream goal. And if not, then our plan is to continue living in the house we live. And when she's an adult and our house is paid off, my wife and I will live in an RV because that's our dream to travel. And Kala will own our house and have roommates and supports that she needs because I think that's important that even if her independence doesn't look like independence to other people, every person deserves to leave their parents house and live life in whatever way that looks like for them and it will not be an institution <laughs> no first of all thank you for not doing that and two you know what maybe she could do interdependent i mean I, that exists why not use that whatever she needs to be as independent as she possibly can i'm here to make that happen for her and it sounds like you're doing something that i believe in and that is again for listeners c205 practicing for future skills because as someone on the spectrum we all have our special interests and maybe one day she could walk and i say you know that could turn into a running and that's pretty much successful and please am yeah. i right or correct me if i'm wrong no you're right we're always trying i mean running has turned into a skill for call it it makes her desire to be around people it made her not afraid to leave the house it's done so much good for her and maybe she'll become a social media influencer on her own bouncing off the social media that we've done and build a career from that because she sure does like to take a picture and i cannot wait for her future i don't care what it looks like i cannot me wait. either so we're going to wrap it up here and these are just for fun so what is your paradise meal or favorite food and why is it your favorite sriracha is my favorite food sriracha shots yeah. right <laughs> i mean i do sometimes just squirt sriracha in my mouth oh heck yeah i would do that with you next time i do it tag <laughs> along with me i'll drive all the way and we'll do sriracha shots together do a hot sauce eating contest see yeah. if you can first get one the first one to drink the bottle wins <laughs> Bloomington is the best place to do that at, too. In Little Nashville down there, there's a place that has, sells a hot sauce called Atomic Meltdown, and you have to sign a waiver to buy it. Oh, heck yeah. Let's go do that, man. <laughs> what is your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? Harry Potter, the books, the movies, all of it. I like it because his life starts out really cruddy, and then he just keeps moving forward, and it ends amazing. And I mean, you can find any story like that, but there's just so much that it it keeps giving to me and it helps me just reframe where I'm thinking and stay positive. And I like the repetition. So I found a great story that I like and I listen to it every day. Oh yeah. It's the same thing. I have a repetition too. One of my favorite shows is Cutthroat Kitchen. And because of the sabotages, I still get goosebumps every time I watch it. It's funny. It's great. It gives me a sense of structure that people just can't understand. So what has been your favorite vacation that you have ever taken and why do you enjoy that vacation very much? My wife and I went to Branson, Missouri right after we met because she got offered a Groupon for it and we hadn't even been dating maybe two weeks and she was like, do you want to do this? Maybe we shouldn't. And we did end up doing it and it kind of made us know that someday we were going to get married. I don't know if we hadn't been able to spend that intimate time together because she lived in Indianapolis and I lived in Terre Haute. And so we lived far away. It was the best vacation. And I also went zip lining and I jumped off a 200 foot tower. So I did a lot of brave things that I would never have done if I wasn't trying to impress a girl. Well, first of all, good for you for jumping off that zip line, but I've heard Branson's a good spot. I actually have a family member who named their son after 
Branson, Zuri. I think that says something right there of how good it is. My final question is, are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? So before you answer, I'd like to end with a good memory and a funny memory that made you fall on the floor. And it can be with your daughter, your running, your wife, your call, you want to answer it. Okay, so a good memory is crossing the finish line of the 50K with my daughter after all the work to do it. And we got to the end and it took me 11 and a half hours to push her to the finish line. It was our first 50K and she had fallen asleep at the last 45 minutes of the run. And I got down to her and I woke her up and I asked her if she wanted to cross the finish line. And she, her eyes popped open big and wide and we put her in a gait trainer. And she has, with a gait trainer is like a walker and she uses her own feet to propel herself. And so she basically walked across the finish line ahead of me. And it was probably one of the proudest moments because people don't realize how much she had to endure to sit in that seat and ride that whole race. And she enjoyed every minute of it and I was so proud of her and she finished and a funny memory it's going to be about Kala too but fresh in my head because we were telling Kala's new therapist about it uh, because our new puppy is also having trouble going to the bathroom so when Kala was first born it's really important that a baby takes their first poop <laughs> and she didn't do it for a long time and they were very worried about it and she was in an incubator you couldn't hold her or touch her I kind of saw the edge of what might be poop me and my wife were jumping over each other and tackling each other to be the first person to get out to the nurse's station to tell the doctor that Kala had pooped and the whole NICU was laughing and it was a whole lot of fun because we had all been very stressed and worried because if she didn't poop it could mean something that would be very life-threatening I've never been so happy about poop in my life why well, the people <laughs> looking down the hallway like what the heck are they jumping about they're jumping about that seriously <laughs> <laughs> you were jumping over each other were you like literally leapfrogging and like football tackling yeah we were wrestling trying to see who could get out first and i climbed over her and everything who won you or her <laughs> i got out first yeah but she <laughs> hollered it over my shoulder so close no cigar right <laughs> well ryan i think that's all is there anything you like to say before we head out or any closing remarks my man i just really enjoyed talking to you like a whole lot ryan you're amazing buddy can't wait to meet you maybe one day and have a great day thank you you too Thanks for joining me for this episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much. Staring at the lights, they look so pretty. Mama said, son, 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 son. You're gonna grow up, you're gonna get old. All that glitter don't turn to gold.